The birth of your first child is full of so many emotions, excitement, joy, and maybe a little bit of anxiety. Okay, a lot of anxiety, but gut-wrenching fear and dread are not supposed to be a part of that moment. But for Molly and her husband, that became their reality when after a very smooth pregnancy came an emergency that neither were prepared for. Listen to my friend Molly and her story as learn how God carried her. Hi, y'all. I'm Brittany Bostic, and joining me today is my friend, Molly Ingen. Hi. Molly is a very talented artist. I saw one of her pieces that she had posted on social media a few years ago, and I was like, I've got to have it. <laughs> it was just so beautiful. It was a floral piece, and I wanted to give it to my mom. Um, my siblings pitched in to help me, and we got it for her birthday, and she just loved it. If you're Wanting to have a, a painting commission for a special birthday or anniversary? Hit this girl up. You can look at some of her work on her Facebook page. It's simply called Molly Ingen Artist. That's Ingen spelled E-N-G-E-N. But this is not how I met this talented person. I met her when I was in high school through my little sister and through Molly's older sisters. I played basketball with one sister and soccer with a different one. And now we go to the same church. Well, it's nice to reminisce, our topic today is a bit heavy. So tell me about your birth experience with your first child. So yeah, I had a really smooth pregnancy, no complications, normal scans, wonderful labor and delivery. Right after I had the nurse notice that something wasn't right, and they took her away after about 10 minutes or so. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Um, you know, I was pretty sick, had a lot of issues vomiting after my um, epidural was removed. And so I passed out because they had given me some strong medication and I woke up. My mom and uh, my sister were praying over me. My dad was pretty emotional in the corner. And the NICU nurse was trying to tell us that our daughter had an anomaly and she would need to be transferred pretty quickly. So what was going through your mind at that moment? Like, that's just a lot. I mean, I was pretty out of it, but I think it's such a surreal experience to have a baby, you know, even if you have a wonderful labor and an incredible recovery and a healthy child. But then to hear like, you know, something's wrong and she's going to need surgery ASAP. I just kept thinking to myself, like, this can't be happening. This isn't happening. Was it, an, you said it's anomaly or atresia or So it's something? called an atresia. Atresia. And I have okay. never heard of this in my life before until my daughter was born. So she was born with esophageal atresia with tracheoesophageal fistula type C or EATF type C for short. For her, there's different types, but for her, the upper part of her esophagus came to a closed end, and then the lower part of her esophagus was attached to her trachea, so she was unable to swallow. It's also crazy how a nurse spotted something so quickly. Yeah, like, so they were trying to get a tube down her throat to suction up a lot of the stuff that she was bubbling uh, up, and they just couldn't pass it, and that's when they did some x-rays and found out that her esophagus was deformed. How did her surgery go? It went well. Uh, so I had her at 1 a.m. And the following morning around 8, she was transferred to Shreveport. They did an incredible job on her surgery. The medical staff there is just like, I can't even speak enough good words about them. But her surgery went as expected. And she was off the vent within a few hours. 
how were you able to travel and stuff? So, so she was transferred, obviously, through an ambulance. But um, my GYN came in the room early in the morning and was like, you, you need to go be with your daughter. So very thankful for that. Thank you, Dr. Kluke. Oh, but, she's my doctor, too. I yes. Love <laughs> I love her. I love her so much. Um, yeah. But it was really rough. I had a wonderful labor and delivery, but a really rough recovery. I, like I said, having a baby is such a shocking experience. And it just felt so surreal, the hour and a half drive heading to Shreveport. So where did y'all stay? Like, you know, obviously that was a big question on the way there um, (laughs) because we knew we were in for at least what we thought would be a few days. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Much longer. Hotel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But the hospital actually had apartments across the street from the NICU room, which was a major blessing. We got to do our laundry. We had a kitchen and we didn't have to worry about paying for it either. My husband's parents and my parents kind of worked together to pay um, weekly on that. So that was really, really nice to get to say yeah. an apartment, not a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. All those creature comforts that yes, we all need. And so sure. how many surgeries does she wind up having? So she was supposed to only have the initial one surgery. And, you know, if everything went well, we were going home after a couple of weeks. But um, they did a swallow study to make sure her esophagus was healed, and she ended up having a leak, which is very rare. Nobody's fault, just bad luck. So they had to perform a second surgery, and then she had her third surgery after a major infection. Mm, a major infection? Yes. So in order to perform her surgery, they had to collapse her right lung to get to her esophagus. <laughs> okay, stop. Just okay. Stop. <laughs> Yeah, no big deal. We're just going to deflate her lung. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the lung that they had to deflate a second time, it ended up getting a a bad infection around it. Mm. The doctor had to go in and, you know, clear all of that out. How long were you guys there? We were there for about five weeks. Five weeks. That's more than a few days. Yes, definitely ended up being a lot more than a few days. And I know some people's NICU stays are way longer than five weeks. I can't even imagine. But those five weeks felt like a year. Yeah. (laughs) So long. Yeah. So how did y'all survive the stay? Prayer, 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 and more prayer (laughs) and worship and just a little bit of prayer, you know. (laughs) Mm. So what does some of that worship look like? There were so few moments that we were by ourselves. We were constantly surrounded by family and friends and medical staff. And I'm extremely grateful for that. And I needed that, the physical, emotional help. But, you know, those few moments that I was by myself and pumping for the uh, hidden away in a room, that's when I would play my worship music and let Mm -hmm. myself have a good cry. And that's really what that looked like. I know it sounds crazy, but to say, let yourself have a good cry. I feel like that's important. Let your guard down. Yeah. And in a way, I feel like that is worshipful in a a way, or at least part of prayer, Mm because it's like being honest and vulnerable with God. I think a lot of times we like to come to God and be like, let's have our pretty prayer. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty prayer. I like that. But I like how you're like, no, like I just, I needed that moment to cry. Yes. (laughs) And it's important to break down and be vulnerable. So that's, that's good that that's, that was a part of your worship or that you were able to do that. Yeah. Um, Was there anything that gave you guys discouragement other than the the deflating of the lung thing? It's just so many ups and downs. It's such a roller coaster. You take two steps forward, three steps back. Like, okay, she's making progress. And then oh, wait, she needs another surgery. And okay, we're good. And oh, wait, she needs another surgery again. So just those moments were kind of discouraging for us. How did you like combat those moments of doubt and just discouragement? Because I'm sure there was a moment where they were like, 
you know, is she going to come home? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think after that third surgery, I kind of lost hope for a little while. But I think what helped was just witnessing all of the prayer that, you know, it wasn't just prayers for me in Austin, like it was prayers from family, friends, strangers in state, out of state, just seeing how many people were rooting for our daughter was incredible. What else helped during this time? Reminiscing on all of the people that came and helped us physically, financially. I mean, God sent so many people to us. And I I had, like I said, I didn't have a great recovery. I, I couldn't bathe myself you know there's a lot of things that you take for granted and you know my mom helped out a lot with that we didn't have to worry about groceries or where our next meal was coming from and just all of the people that came rushing to our side was really encouraging yeah because it's a testament how important those meal trains are yes (laughs) yes yes that was a big thing too yeah for sure oh and for those that don't know meal trains are something that some churches do actually digital now yeah back in the day i know a church i grew up in it's just like here's a sheet yes sign up (laughs) sign up but it's kind of a digital now you can sign up and like who's gonna take which dates to bring food to people that or in this state of crisis, yes. you know. Yeah, so, huge help for sure. Yeah. Was there any one thought or mantra, so to speak, that you that you or your husband had or just focused on during that time? It was just clinging to the fact that, like, Jesus can use good times and bad times equally to bring glory to himself. And if this is what our daughter has to go through to bring glory back to Jesus, then, then this is what she has to go through, you know, just remembering that no matter— what the outcome is that his is a glory. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I guess also for me and a little bit, it's just knowing that how solid God can feel. Everything else is like out of our control, but yes, God doesn't change. Did y'all have a special verse or a song that spoke to you guys during that time? Yeah, we had a couple, I mean, well, we had a million verses, but a couple (laughs) of them spoke out to me for sure. Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We're not in control. He is. And that's what, you know, is important. And then James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. There's a quote from, I think this was from Sarah Young. She writes all of the Jesus Calling books. It says, that's why it's so wrong to measure your energy level against the challenges ahead of you. The issue is not your strength, but mine, which is limitless. Mm. The issue is not your strength, but mine, yes. meaning God, which is limitless. Yeah, I think I would be clinging in that one too. Yes, for sure. And then yeah. my family sang uh, somewhere over the rainbow quite a bit to Thea. So yeah. it was nice to hear that and just listen to like, okay, there's better days ahead. You know, mm-hmm. there's hope. Then this isn't necessarily, I guess, classified as a Christian worship song, but my oldest sister came to visit Thea in the NICU when she was, things were like certainly getting better for her. There was no doubt anymore. And mm-hmm. she played a fight song by Rachel Platten kind of as a joke. Yeah. Like, this is your song. And now, like, oh my goodness, reading those lyrics and listening to the song, I, I can't, I cannot get through it without crying. Like, I just feel like every word is such an embodiment of Thea, like how much of a fighter that God made her to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think songs usually have to be like a worship song for God to speak to us, you know? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think he speaks to us through anything, you know, he is the creator of curiosity, creativity and beauty. It all comes from God. Yeah. 
And if he could give you that song to like have a positive part of it, because I know there's yes. lots of it that's like very traumatic. Yeah. But that's a song that can give you like some type of like positive spin for it. Mm-hmm. And hey, I think that's a blessing he's trying to give you. Yeah. How did you know God was speaking to you like during prayer and worship, scripture reading, songs? I can't even put into words the amount of inexplicable peace that I had during that NICU stay. I mean, yes, I had my moments of discouragement, moments of breakdown, but there was times when, okay, she's getting a second surgery. Here comes the anesthesiologist, sign the paperwork. You know, pediatric surgeon doesn't know what's going on. And I just, for whatever reason, just, it's like, okay, God's got this. I promise you right now, if that were to happen, like there's no way I would have that amount of peace inside of me. So just knowing that like, okay, this is not me. This is not just me having a calm spirit. Like the Lord is giving me the peace that I need to get through this. Yeah. It's like your brain is saying, this is really terrible. You should freak out. Yes. Yes. But your inside's like, no. Yeah. We're it's good. A, it's okay. We're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it is it's very hard to describe, but when yeah. you experience it. I think we, you know, we were talking before and you mentioned someone had called you guys while y'all were living in the apartment. Yeah. And that is really impactful. Like, can you tell me about that phone call? Yes. So uh, my cousin Travis, he actually had a daughter that had to have a big surgery on her skull. Uh, She essentially Mm. had to get it like cracked in half or something. It was fused together too soon. So he had, you know, experienced all of the you know, emotions there is coming with having a kid getting major surgeries and yeah. unexpected diagnosis and things like that. And I had gotten so many messages from people and that was incredibly encouraging. But to have someone like call us and talk to us on the phone was just a whole nother world of encouragement. And he just spoke to us about, you know, praying for her healing, praying for the medical staff to have God's help in that and just being able to bring her home. And he had actually set up a prayer chain with people in his church. And this this man lives in Texas. I don't know anybody <laughs> wow. in his church. Wow. They had recorded their prayers and sent that to us. Oh my goodness, it was such a game changer, like to be able to listen to that and know that like these people don't know, know me from Adam. They don't know who Thea is, but they're praying these like heartfelt, genuine prayers for my daughter. Like this is for Thea. So that was really, really encouraging for us. Yeah. You know, and sometimes people say, all I can do is pray for them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, no, like this is another testament how like important thing is not only like, yeah, God is actually hearing that, but also it's encouraging to other people that you're praying for. Yes. You know, that is really touching just the amount of love you guys, you know, had pouring in. Yes, for Um, sure. How does experience impact your relationship with God? I mean, I just have a much deeper understanding of what it means to really trust in Jesus. And obviously, it's not something that I've perfected or will ever perfect. And I actually had a lot of anxiety during my second pregnancy because of everything that we went through with with Thea being in the NICU. But just being mindful of the truth that like Jesus was faithful and He is faithful and He's going to be faithful is something that really helps me get through those moments of just trials. I don't miss, you know, the separation from my daughter and like all the suffering that we had to witness her go through. Like, I don't miss any of that, but I just miss the sheer reliance on Jesus we had during her NICU stay. I mean, when you're put in a situation where you're like completely helpless, you have zero control over what happens next. Like I couldn't take the pain away from her. I couldn't perform the surgeries for her. All I could do was just pray. I mean, there's no other option but 
to like give up what control you have and just trust that he's perfect and and trust in his will. Yeah, there's no other helpless feeling that compares to having a sick child. Mm, yeah, no. You know, you know, we're just overcoming the flu and oh my and all kinds of we've had all kinds of illnesses over here uh, at my that house. Is the worst. <laughs> I think I've been to church like twice in the year twenty twenty. Yes, no, I can relate to that. <laughs> yep. Um, but a mild mild comparison, but yeah, it's it's no fun watching your child suffer. And, no, yeah. But I think it's great that he gave you a situation and where he could build up your faith in him. It's good for us to remember the stories of the Bible, like of Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and his brothers and Queen Esther and in all the situations, God almost appointed a moment for them where they'd be drawn closer to him. Mm -hmm. And while it's good to have that from the Bibles, it's also good, you know, to have this same concrete experiences for ourselves. As you mentioned, it, it gives us a type of intimacy with him that's, like no other. Right. Well, we've said a lot of things about faith and trust, but I think some people would want to ask, what if he wouldn't have healed Thea? Would your response be the same? I mean, obviously, I would love to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, I would be totally fine to have peace and everything would be great. But I don't know, you know, exactly how I would respond. But I like to think about in this area, Stephanie Payne and the Savannah Payne situation, they were from this area. I don't know if anybody knows of them, but Stephanie, uh, this mom had to watch her young daughter in college go through this incredibly difficult journey of getting a, a major, major infection in her body. And, and her daughter ended up dying and she had to witness all of that. And at the end of all of it or in the midst of all of it, Stephanie was like, obviously, I hate watching my daughter suffer. And this is, you know, extremely painful. But if God is getting the glory, then then so be it. Nobody wants to watch their kids suffer. It's awful. But whether it's a NICU stay or the stomach bug, like you want to take that away from yeah. them. If God's getting the glory through it, then so be it. You mentioned a lot earlier and just this minute ago, you know, with this experience and that Thea's story to be one about giving God the glory. Mm-hmm. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, God can use so many situations to bring people closer to Him. And, you know, just so much prayer that was poured out to Thea mm-hmm. and so many people who were able to hear her story was one way that He got the glory and just... I don't know how to put it into words. Yeah. But. So if people are shown God's grace or they're able to see a glimpse of God, that's bringing him glory. Yes. To, yeah. Yeah. I just want to clarify because that's that's one of those ambiguous terms that church people it, say. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> yes. So that's why I asked. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Molly, thank you for coming out and for sharing your story of when God carried you. Well, yes, thank you for having me. And I was very encouraged by your story, and I'm sure someone needed to hear that, too. So I guess here's to bringing God glory still. Yes, for (laughs) sure. My name is Molly, and this is my story of the middle. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Brandy Bostic, and you've been listening to Up From The Muck Podcast. Psalm 42, he brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure.